All right, we're going to hit up the uh, the forum once again. This question, I think I'll, I'll start off with Lou. You talked briefly about um, the well-being of your students. How do you ensure the well-being of your teachers? What steps do you put in place to make sure that teachers feel supported, especially teachers within the first few years of their careers? Um, we don't separate students and teachers' well-being in the college. It's... Um for us as a community to be effective, everyone's well-being has to be of a, a paramount. Um, I think uh, Adam talked about work-life balance or work-life satisfaction. We um, we certainly are very protective around that. So, you know, in the past four years, we had very formulaic meeting structures where you know everyone must meet for X number of hours a week, and whether they were productive or otherwise. But you know, we will do that because that's what we've done for years. Uh, and that's that um, movement from the default structure of schools into a, an innovative space around, well, how do we get the best out of our people? So we we make sure we, um, and these are very mundane examples, but if we've got an agenda um, for our leadership team or an executive team or whatever that has two agenda items that can be held over until the following week, that meeting is cancelled and that time is given back to people and that includes staff meetings as well, but we have very few staff meetings because getting together our staff is, um, you know, what productive learning is done in that space unless it is very much a, a twilight and it is a, a, a guest speaker who is um, working on something that's one of our explicit improvement agendas in the year. I'm not a believer in the flip-top head type PD where everyone goes out and we flip their head, we pour something in, tip it over and off you go and, and you'll get a change in practice. It just doesn't work. So our system's got to be a little bit more mature around how we go about le professional learning and everyone learns in different styles and ways, etc. So we, we are quite specific in what we're trying to achieve and how we go about that and, um, you know, we, we find that sending people out is... It's like respite care. Um, often it's give them a day away, and it's, it's certainly not, um, it's not something I experience in my current setting, but in some of my past settings, it was respite care. So um, we are very specific and targeted in how we do our PD um, for our staff to make sure that, um, that their, their, their balance is okay. Um, and, and, you know, I will walk around the school and kick people out and say, go home. We, we have a, um, we, at the start of the year we had a neuroscientist come and speak to our, our staff and um, he really challenged them around this notion of busy and so we, and he said, you know, is busy productive or is busy just busy? And people thrive on being busy because that's, that's been historically rewarded in our workplace. And and yet if you look at well, what's the productive use of that two hours of busy time, that if you had been really focused and productive, you might have knocked it over in 15 minutes and you get out of here and go home to your family um, or your partner or your dog, whatever it is that gives you your balance. So we are really protective around that um, and we've changed the narrative in the college. If someone, I did that in my student free day presentation, taught, challenged them around productive versus busy and um, people now catch themselves. If you say, oh, How's your week been? Oh, really busy. Oh, um, so we're actually trying to change that thinking um, around use your time well and wisely. And, and Liz and I were talking about the, the, the urgent and important matrix. 
um, you know, use that wisely around, well, okay, here's a task, but is it urgent and is it important? And if it's not, well, I'll ignore it. I'll just deal with the things that are up in that top right-hand quadrant and, uh, and, and calm my farm around how I'm going and feel for the week. <laughs> um, Adam... I was going to uh, talk to you about also teacher well-being and um, Luke touched on work-life balance and, and busy work. Um, before you were talking about your work-life balance and your structures, that's a lot of that seems to be self-imposed. Lou talked about some steps that he put in place in his schools. Do you believe schools don't put enough steps in place to ensure that their teachers don't get bogged down? Because a lot of your... Um, systems seem to be self-imposed and self-imposed rules. I hate email. So uh, <laughs> uh, I got it off. It's one of the things you, when you step into a school, it's probably, probably take you six months to 12 months to work out uh, that the, po- the political aspect of the school and you'll work out. And after 14 years at one school, I've kind of worked that out, hopefully. Um, I find things like email uh, a, a real burden on staff. They just um, they're a morale killer. You you've got to do one of two things, so or two things. So you've got to set yourself aside time during the day to look at emails. So I do that first thing in the morning when I get there about seven thirty uh, to about quarter to eight, and then that's done. The next time I check again is roughly period six of the day, depending what classes I have. So it might be a tad bit earlier, a tad bit later and see if there's anything else that I need to follow up on. And that's it. I turn it off. I turn Outlook off. The other thing is people getting um, trapped into putting um, Outlook on their phone, um, putting Outlook on their home computer or, or home laptop and looking at it on weekends. So you just got to turn away from that stuff. Give yourself time, morning, afternoon, check emails. Uh, the second thing is that create rules. Use the rule function in Outlook and create rules put people into deleted folders, put people into their own folders. For instance, uh, Liam has got a folder on, on my computer. My head of department's got a folder. Um, some people have got the deleted folder because what they send is not critical for my job to do. And my job is to walk into a classroom and teach that class. So there's the difference between what's critical and what's not critical. And uh, an email about the, the, two, the critical emails I see each day is one, there's a room change. So if I need to move for whatever reason, exams for instance, um, and we need to move rooms, that's, that's critical for me for my teaching that morning. So when I see that email come through about room changes, I check it and I always check it. The second one is if I've got to cover a teacher who's away. So I had to cover someone in period two today. So when that email comes through, I check that email. So that that person's email does not go into any deleted folders or anything. It pops up straight in front of me. So I got my, I've gotten my emails down to this morning. I had three emails to respond to. So one was the period two cover and the other two were from parents for a, a trip that we're doing next year uh, to Nepal for something that I organised with school. And there was two queries that came in. So within the next 12 to 24 hours, I need to respond to those. But email is not critical. That's what people have to get out of their head. If someone wants you for something, they would come and say, hey, Scott, I need you to do X. Or they would pick up the phone and say, hey, Scott, I need you to do X for me this afternoon. That's, that's when it starts to become critical in your day. Then you can work it out between the two of you what you need to do then. But me sending Scott an email saying, hey, mate, can you do this for me this afternoon? He might not look at it until 
tonight, tomorrow. You don't know. So it can't be critical if someone's emailing you. Um, so that that's yeah. So he's very self-imposed. I encourage a lot of people to probably do a bit of reading with uh, a guy called uh, Kel Newport. Kelvin Newport. He's a professor at Georgetown uh, University in the States. I drew a lot of my kind of inspiration from his books. Um, so he's probably someone you'd want to look at. He talks a lot about digital technology and how to minimise it, and social media, how to minimise it, and things like that. So it's a good one. Yeah, sure. As a general life hack, don't answer emails on a Sunday. Just gen- I'm serious, don't, all right? Because the minute you raise that expectation that you reply on a Sunday, you're sucked in for life, okay? And I can tell you now, parents in schools, they love that because they know they can get to you on a Sunday, all right? You're opening up a Pandora's box for yourselves. I'm not saying don't talk to the parents. What I'm saying is leave it till Monday, all right? Answer within a certain time frame. So Adam's completely right. Give yourself a break. You've got to stand back from the job to really do your job well. It sounds paradoxical, but it works well. And eventually then your life will inform your work and your work will inform your life. All right? But little things like that are really important. You've got to have that time. My partner's at the back, so she's probably smiling at that one. But <laughs> to be fair, you do need to do that. I'm, I'm terrible for checking my phone every five minutes, but I've had to get out of that habit. You know, it's one of those things that if you raise that level of expectation, then... The minute you don't, that's when people go, why haven't you answered my email? Mm. I sent it 20 minutes ago. That's right. <laughs> We've had students at our school um, who've handed a draft into a teacher and three hours later gone back and said, why haven't you marked it yet? You know, that's got to be trained out of them. That's, that's not acceptable. You know what I mean?